0: gospel lesson for today, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you are setting your mind, not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world But forfeit their life what will they give in return for their life for the son of man is to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay everyone for what has been done truly i tell you there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the son of man coming into his kingdom the gospel of the lord well people of god may the grace and peace of our triune god be yours today and forever amen we utilize something that picks our scripture passages for us it's called the lectionary and sometimes the lectionary will jump us all over the place in terms of what the specific passages are but sometimes we have direct continuations today is one of those later cases this is a direct continuation and we hear it within the very opening line from that time on. Now, if you caught our video last week, or if you were with us for worship last week, it's a direct continuation from what we just had. If you heard that last week or saw it, you know what I'm talking about. If not, we heard an, a moment in the verses that were directly before this, where Jesus asked the disciples, hey, who do the people say that I am? They respond with some of the responses that they've, that they've heard. But then he asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter in a moment of Holy Spirit-inspired proclamation, says, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus comes out and he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but it is from my Father in heaven. Jesus reminds us, shows us that faith, that divine proclamation is not generated from us. It's not a human-oriented thing, but it's divinely inspired. That is what has just happened. And then there's, they go through a little bit of a back and the forth. back And forth. And he says, your name is Peter. And Peter means rock. And he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That was all last week. But as soon as that's done, then we pick up here. And Jesus says, OK, you've made, Peter, you've made this divinely inspired proclamation, an important one for all of us, one that we join in, one, uh, the proclamation that we are empowered to make as well. And now Peter, or Jesus says, now here's what it's gonna look like. From this time on, he began to show them that the son of man must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and he will be killed and on the third day rise again. Now, this is the first time in Matthew's gospel, the first time that he makes this prediction about what's to happen. We call it the passion prediction and it actually happens several times over the course of the different gospels, uh, actually, within Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he says it like three or four times within each of them. So it's not, this is not the only time he says this, it's something ongoing that he continues to remind the disciples and the crowds of, this is what it means to be the Messiah. Now, as we see Peter, still the spokesman, he speaks up again. And when Jesus says, I am the Messiah, as you have said, now here's what it looks like, here's what that means, It's defying the expectations of what Peter thinks, given his experience, given his understanding of everything as a first century Jewish Palestinian guy, this is what he thinks the Messiah means. And when Jesus says, yeah, that means that I'm gonna be betrayed and suffer and I'm gonna die and then rise again, Peter's like, no, that's not what it means. And so he pulls Jesus aside, probably with every great intention, But he's like, no, Lord, this must never be. He rebukes what Jesus has just said. Jesus, in turn, rebukes Peter. He says, get behind me. And he calls him Satan. And granted, side note, Satan just means adversary. It means basically you are being an adversary. You are being a stumbling block. You are being, you are scandalizing. That's what some of this original language means. You are scandalizing what I have just told you. You are being a problem, so get behind me it's interesting that he says that he goes on to talk about if any would be my followers they must pick up my cross and come along behind me if any is gonna follow me they need to be behind me which is the place of the disciples not in front telling me how to do things I'm the divine one I need to tell you what's going on I've just done so you don't like it tough cookies get behind me I think Jesus is probably getting a little pretty blunt with Peter here I mean we don't know exactly but I imagine that there's a little bit of a strong rebuke here as he tells Peter hey get behind me now Peter gets kind of a bad rap here. He gets called Satan after all. I mean, that's kind of harsh. But Peter is a perfect example of how human we all are. How our expectations come often from our human experience, from our own experience, what we bring to the table, and that can oftentimes be flawed when we begin to talk about things of the divine. Just last week, and just a couple of verses before where we pick up today, as we've already talked about, Peter makes that, divinely inspired proclamation and it's wonderful and then what feels like two seconds later he puts a very human foot in his mouth and Jesus calls him on it last week what we heard from Peter gives me hope that the Holy Spirit can use us to divine purposes this week reminds me of why we need hope and why we need Jesus in the first place. Because our flaws, our brokenness, our own flawed understanding will at times get in the way of whatever it is that God is up to through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, oftentimes I call that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the Christ event. That whatever it was that God was up to through the Christ event, which we kind of understand and we kind of don't, it seems to center around this one central message that we continue to hear over and over and over again. We start off with John the Baptist. Jesus picks it up even though their methods are different. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is something we talk about a lot. What does it mean that the kingdom of heaven has come near? What does it mean that we are invited into it? And that this kingdom, which is both now and not yet, this this kingdom which Jesus brought to us, but has not yet brought to fruition, what does that mean for us? Whenever I encounter this question, whether in a conversation with someone or whether I'm trying to figure out How to approach a scripture or i'm trying to figure out how to live out my own life as a follower of christ i come back over and over and over again to a command that jesus gave love god and love your neighbor it seems really simple and yet it's incredibly difficult Since this pandemic has started, perhaps you've noticed, if you're a longtime member of our congregation or of our our community, you've probably noticed a little difference in how we approach the scripture readings here for worship. Commonly, we have multiple readings, in addition to the one that I preach from and the psalm. Now we're basically doing the psalm and we're doing whichever one I'm reading from. But every once in a while, that lectionary that I mentioned at the beginning, every once in a while that presents us with an alternate reading, one of the other readings that's so darn on the nose, we have to consider it and bring it in. And I'm gonna do that again today. One of the other readings for today, it comes from the letter that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. Now, if you're not familiar with the letter to the Romans, it's Paul's longest letter. It's the first one that we find, it's right after the book of Acts. And it's the most complete, theological argument that Paul lays out, because he's talking to a community of, of Christ followers that he's never met before. He's kind of giving himself a theological introduction because he's planning on coming to visit them. That's the background. And so we get a lot of ground that gets covered from this letter of Paul to the Romans. And this particular part, I think is very applicable for us as we consider this idea of what does it mean to live our lives in the reality of the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus brought near to us as we embrace the identity follower of Christ. What does that mean? And I believe it's addressed in here. So I'm gonna share it today. This is Romans 12 verses nine through 21. Paul writes, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep live in harmony with one another do not be haughty but associate with the lowly do not claim to be wiser than you are do not repay anyone evil for evil but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all if it is possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all beloved never avenge yourselves but leave room for the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord no, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If you are they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is very countercultural, what Paul writes here, these ways of, of, of being in this world. And it speaks very much against what I think the status quo tends to be. The society that we live in, that we are a part of now, puts a lot of emphasis on personal effort. It puts a lot of emphasis on power, on prestige, on wealth, on status, all of these things, fame, all of these different things. That's not what the Apostle Paul seems to be talking about and i can only imagine it's really not what jesus envisions when he talks about the kingdom of heaven coming near in the last couple of weeks there's been a couple of different events that have happened they're actually closely tied to one another and they're pretty important they come around every four years you probably know exactly what i'm talking about both of our two major political parties here in the united states held their they're not annual, they're every four years, they're national conventions. The time when the various delegates, this time remotely, come together to cast their official ballot and, and to nominate officially, to give the nomination for each political party to their candidate. Now, we've known for a long time who the two candidates were gonna, gonna be, that was a foregone conclusion, but they accept it. And you know, that's what goes on. Now, of course, this year was different because of COVID-19. They weren't able to gather in large groups or the great big huge stadiums as they normally do every four years. It was more remote. It was done from from a distance. Well, one thing was in common between both of them, and that was that there were a lot of speeches. Now, that's pretty normal. There typically are a lot of speeches. And as I watched aspects of both of them, both parties, I think were kind of guilty of this. Over the course of the speeches, some not all, not everyone, but most would falter or they would step into the realm of this is what's wrong. This is who to blame for it. And that to me is really disappointing. That's really discouraging. And it speaks to what I consider to be the brokenness of our election situation these days. What I have noticed over the years is it's not so much this is what I think and this is some of the the issues that I see and this is how I wanna try and address them and we talk about things that way, it becomes, this is what's wrong, this is who to blame for it, and if you don't like it, vote for me. Both sides do it. And regardless of my own political leanings, and yes, I do have them, and regardless of your political leanings, and I know you have them too, both sides are guilty of it. And it's downright disgusting when we see that. When we hear, who's to blame? They are the enemy this is what's wrong this is what you should be afraid of and I alone can solve it for you that is politics I don't know about you but I'm tired of it and even though as a citizen of this country I know I'm a part of it and I need to make my voice heard with my vote just as you need to make your voice heard with your vote it's discouraging isn't it and I can't help but think that it is ultimately that approach to it this idea of this is what's wrong and they're the ones to blame that is ultimately different from what both paul and jesus are calling us into jesus says you want to be my follower pick up your cross and follow me deny yourself this isn't about you this is about the way you interact with the world and paul's saying the same thing be different Don't adhere to the same old status quo. Don't adhere to that which says, this is what the world says is good. This is what the world says is power. This is what the world says is authority. Jesus tells us be different. Paul tells us be different. The Bible tells us over and over again, honestly, from start to finish, be different in this world. Because what the world values is not what God values. And what God seems to value if we go all the way back to that statement from Jesus of love God and love your neighbor, God seems to value the dignity of this world that God has made, and that includes the dignity of every single person who is born bearing the divine image. Think about that. We all bear that divine image of God. We all are fellow members of humanity, whether we like it or not. And Jesus reminds us that to be in the kingdom, to live in the reality of the kingdom means that first you love God and then you love your neighbor. Oftentimes we come around to the same old question, well, who's my neighbor? Well, folks, it's anyone you encounter, whether you agree with them or not. They are still a fellow member of the human race. They are worthy of dignity. They are worthy of respect. They are not worthy of being thrown under the bus. And that's what we hear. Bless those who persecute you pray for those who oppose you, be different, offer them grace, offer them mercy. It seems to be find the middle ground. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad interpretation, but it seems a whole lot different than you're wrong and you're to blame. And I'm going to demonize you in the media, or I'm going to demonize you on social media or whatever, or I'm going to demonize you to your face. I can only think that our efforts to live in the reality of the kingdom of heaven, which is so ultimately different than the powers of this world, it's not just about morality, it's not just about living perfect lives, it's about treating one another like the kingdom is real. Because every single person is a recipient of it, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with them or not. Now, again, I'm not telling you you have to like everybody. There are certain people that we just can't stand and sometimes it's better to not be around them and maybe loving them means not subjecting ourselves to them and causing issues but ultimately i think the takeaway from all of this all of this stuff given our current state Given the current moment that we're living in, this specific point in time, we are being invited by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are being empowered by the Holy Spirit to be different in this world. That's the call, to not adhere to the status quo, to not fix our eyes on the idolatry of what the world says is good, but to claim allegiance, to love the one who made us in the first place and to love those whom are also made the same one. Where do we go from here? What do we do from here? How do we move forward? Can we move forward? Can any of us, because of course we all screw this up, and I'm including myself with I don't want you to think I'm up here railing because yeah, I'm getting a little bit worked up. I don't want you to say or to think that I think that I've got it all figured out, that I do this perfectly. I've got my own biases. I've got my own shortcomings. I've got my own things that I stumble on almost every single moment. And I see the need to repent and turn away from it, at least with some of those things. But I also know that I've got my own blind spots and I'm sure you do too those things that some people have been kind enough to point out to me. So when someone does that, can we recognize? "Mm -hmm, Maybe I need to think about this. Maybe I need to turn away from this. Maybe this is the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit for me to live in the reality of the kingdom just a little bit different than what I'm doing now. Maybe I've missed the mark here. That idea of missing the mark, that's the literal interpretation of the word sin if we go all the way back to the original language. To sin means to miss the mark. We miss the mark of what God hopes for us and what God intends for us. But the wonderful thing about when we miss the mark is there's this great thing, it's part of the original message that we've already talked about today, love God, love your neighbor, but it stems from the idea of repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent means turn away from and turn back to the one who puts us on the straight path. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on God, the one who made us in the first place and the desires, love, and joy, and freedom, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and all of this different stuff that we hear about over and over and over again in the scriptures. No, we don't do so perfectly, because even though the kingdom of heaven is near to us, and has been for 2,000 years, we are still living in the reality of a broken and flawed reality, and we are still broken and flawed as well. Thanks be to God for the grace of God that was made real through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which he is predicting today because that enables us to live in the reality of a kingdom that is different than this broken reality that we are a part of, that we can live our lives in a way that might just help bring it to fruition. Maybe, just maybe, that seems to be the call that we're at. And in the midst of all this craziness, what do we do with that? Well, maybe we get uncomfortable. Maybe that's where we start. Maybe we get uncomfortable in the fact that, "Mm, why is this hitting close to home? And we begin to reflect on that because maybe that's the Holy Spirit working in us too. Maybe we begin to look for ways that we can react a little bit differently. Maybe we begin to look for ways where we can recognize the common humanity of one another. And maybe we can step away from all those things that we have done so often that have caused hurt and pain and turmoil, whether as individuals or as a society and every level in between. I started this whole thing off talking about some personal angst, some personal disgust with what I see from the political realm. I talked a little bit about how we are called to be different. We are called to be separate. We are called to step away from that stuff and be different in this world. And I believe with every atom of my being that whatever it was that Jesus was bringing into existence through his life, death, and resurrection, It was not for us to continue to cozy up to the status quo. And it sure as heck wasn't that we, as faithful people, would cozy up to one political party or the other. We're called to be different from it. Because, folks, let me make one more point, and Jesus alludes to it. When faith cozies up to a political power, people die whether you like it or not, whether that makes you uncomfortable or not, I actually hope it does because we should be uncomfortable with the ways that we have done that. The scripture reminds us of this and Jesus reminds us of it today. When a faith practice cozies up with a political entity, Jesus dies. Now the good aspect of this, if there is one, is that God was able to take that and bring something good out of it it doesn't always make sense it's not always easy it's not always something that we can easily just get or understand and just like peter sometimes we can get a glimpse of it and make proclamation of it and in the next instance we can screw it up because our humanity comes through this is why we need jesus in the first place this is why we need the grace of god in the first place this is why i am so grateful for the love of god in the first place to overcome the flaws that we are all a part of May we cling to that as we try our best to be different in this world and when we seek redemption and we seek forgiveness in the times when we screw it up. This is the gospel. God loves you enough to make this possible. Jesus made it possible and Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven near to us. So let's live our lives in a way that reflects it.